Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 143. Our Sunday worship service for December 1st, 2019 is Abide. It is the second in the series, The Light. The miracle we're waiting for is waiting for us. Embrace the journey. There's joy in anticipation. So our scripture today, Matthew 2, 1 through 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You know about the Magi, the three wise guys. You know about that, right? You know that they were scholars, they had studied, they'd read all the books, they'd been to all the workshops. And it's a wonderful story in so many ways. You know the Christmas story, you know we're going through it, you know it's a Christmas series and all that good stuff. But I hope that one of the things that you're thinking about as we go through these is that each and every step, each and every Sunday, is part of how to have Christmas not just be something that you purchase, not just something that happens in history, not just an obligatory trip to church because you're supposed to, but just as we are going to witness something new that needs to be born in us, and I don't know about you, but as much as my male biology can experience, I have experienced a feeling of something has got to happen, and in my own little way, I can sympathize with the idea that I have to give birth now. It's time. As much as I can appreciate that, I have felt that moment in my life in many ways, and perhaps you have too. Sometimes it looks like all kinds of different things. Sometimes it looks like that thrill of hope that we hear about in the song, and sometimes it looks like, look, something's got to give. But if you want to get to that place where you can answer that call, ask yourself, what do I need to do to get there? And it's the same question that the wise guys were asking in the Scripture. They had read all the books. Intellectually, they were very savvy. But as you and I know, maybe from experience, reading all of the books and having a really solid intellectual conception of it can only get you to the doorstep. Can only get you to the place where the Magi, the wise guy said, okay, we know we're supposed to do something. We saw the sign. Now something has got to happen in us. And they show up to King Herod and they say, we've seen all the signs and portents, we've read all the books, and apparently all signs lead this way. Do not pass go, the whole thing. And Herod, the bad guy in the story, <laughs> he knows too, right? You know the story. Herod knows that there's this prophecy. He knows that this guy is going to be born who's going to upset the apple cart. Change things for him. And so Herod says, uh, yeah, I'm super looking forward to meeting this guy too, uh, wise men. Uh, why don't you go tell me where I can find him? Because I've got a very special gift for him. Show me where I can find this guy. Intellectual knowledge doesn't get you everywhere you want to go. The Magi go, oh yeah, he must be into it too. We'll, go, we'll tell you right where he is. And they go and they find the baby in the manger and all that stuff that you know about. Intellectual knowledge will get you to that place where you can witness something that will change you. 
You and I know that moment where something goes from something that happens between your ears, from head knowledge into a heart experience when you fall in love with something, when something changes for you. Those wise men, though they came to give something, were given a gift of change. Something changed in them and they realized that something else had to happen. And I love that the Scripture says, and the Magi went home another way. They realized, we've got to ditch this Herod guy. <laughs> He's trouble. You've been there. You've been changed by something and you have let it take you home a different way. And sometimes the beautiful message is when life doesn't go the way you think, it's wonderful to be taken home another way. Let yourself be taken home another way. That's a beautiful lesson. But it is not the lesson that I came here to tell you about today. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how to interpret Scripture. I mean, it's, it's very easy to go, look, I live in the 21st century and I have a mortgage and a Facebook account that I'm not certain about. All kinds of stuff. I have nothing in my material life that helps me to identify with three wise men going across the desert, halfway across the planet. I got nothing. What am I supposed to do with this information? And it's very easy when you come from that standpoint to go, this is a very fun hallmark moment story, but it's got nothing for me. There's all kinds of ways to get past that. But I'm going to suggest to you that one of the easiest ways to get a handle on what the Bible is trying to say to you has less to do with understanding the facts and figures, just like the wise men. Let's come from a heart place now. Ask yourself, how did they feel? If you're trying to interpret any part of the Bible, one of the ways to bring it home is to go, okay, how do these people feel? Because maybe I don't know what it's like to be a shepherd. <laughs> but I know what it is to feel something. And I guarantee you, for every story you find in Scripture, they are feeling something that you are feeling or have felt or are going to feel. And if you can get to that place, you can figure out what you're supposed to do with that information. It's beautiful and it's easy. You don't have to study a bunch of stuff. How does it feel? And so here we are, boys and girls, getting ready for Christmas. Ask yourself, how do you feel about Christmas? You can say the word to some people and it's like pepper spray. Ugh. Immediately they launch into how much shopping they haven't done. Their feelings about the altitude of the Thanksgiving Day balloons. Who knows what? Obligation. Frustration. Family stuff that they do not want to deal with. All kinds of stuff, right? I want to let you know something. How you are at Christmas is how you are all year long. Some people think that they're different at Christmas. Some people think that they act differently. But Christmas is like life. Christmas is just this wonderful compression of everything you got going on. How you are at Christmas is just an intense version of the way that you are the whole rest of the year. So if you say, oh, I can be mean, it's Christmas and I'm stressed out, you have given yourself permission to be that way in a subtler version all year long. How you are at Christmas is how you are in life. So decide how you want to feel about Christmas. Maybe bone up on some Tim Allen movies or something. Get there. Get there. Because there are people who love you who don't need any more drama. Get there. How you are at Christmas is how you are all year long. So how do you feel at Christmas? 
Some people identify Christmas with shopping, like I said, with materialism, even with greed. Some people identify Christmas with confusion and struggle and and scars and emotional baggage. I get all of that. I've been all those places. But you have a choice about what you identify with, and that's going to determine your next experience. You can't go back in time. You can only plant seeds for your future experience, right? So one of the things that sticks out in the story of the Magi and Herod and all of that is that I think that one of the things they were feeling was anticipation. This is a beautiful story because it's a story of the thing hasn't happened yet. The Magi say, okay, we know that there's this thing and we want to go see it. It hasn't happened yet for us. And Herod says, we know that there's this thing and I need it to happen for me. And he's got selfish reasons, but that doesn't matter. He feels anticipation. And if you have ever been part of Christmas, you know what anticipation feels like. And how you feel about it determines so much of your experience. Can you be okay with being in process instead of being done? Or does that freak you out? You know what I mean? We're told that done is important, but I'm telling you right here and right now, because God is infinity and you are a child of God, there ain't no done. Nothing's done ever. And identifying with done will just make you tired. Can you be okay with being in process? Because what I'm here to tell you is that there is joy in the journey. What I'm here to tell you is that there is something holy about waiting. About being in that moment. Being like the wise men or the little drummer boy or or whatever Christmas character you identify with. There's something okay with just being in it. To the degree that you can abide, Christmas will unfold in beautiful ways for you. And so will life, because Christmas is just like life. God is beyond space and time. You know this, right? God's more than that. For God, it's always right now. There's no sense of God being subject to what's God going to do next week. There's no next week for God. There's just right now. There's no when's God going to show up. There's just right here, right? God is not subject to the laws of space and time, but you are. You are an inflection of infinity. And those are big words. So here, let me say that a little bit differently. You being the light of the world, you are God's gift to space and time. You are God's gift to space and time. And God's gift to you is right now. And the question becomes, what will you do with this moment? There's a lot of different ways to think about your life. You can think about it as a struggle. You can think about it as as something to just get through. Yuck. You can think about it all kinds of different ways. But I want to challenge you to think of your life as the story of grace over time. Think about your life as a story of grace over time. These little moments of, of God happening. That's what grace is. These little moments of God happening in these wonderful ways. It's like watching a fireworks display. And sometimes it feels like there's pauses. Maybe when you're doing laundry where you don't see the, the burst and the ooh, but it's happening. Your life is a story of grace over time. Can you be okay with just watching the show? One of the things that sticks out for me on Christmas is uh, one of my earliest Christmas memories is when my folks would get out the snow globes. We didn't have a whole lot of Christmas decorations in my family because it's a family of ministers and Christmas is a work day. 
So it's minimal. Everything gets decorated at church, not at home, that kind of thing. But we would get out the snow globes. It's a Floridian's attempt at something uh, frosty, I guess. Maybe Wendy's was closed, I don't know. You got that, I like it. Um, But I remember the mystery of that. And I talk about it. You've heard me talk about the snow globes. The idea of something magical happening there. You're not really supposed to touch them because they're fragile. But in my childish imagination, it wasn't just because they were fragile. It was because when you shake them up and that wonderful thing happens, it's almost like, to my mind as a kid, it's almost like time happens differently inside those globes. Like there's some kind of magical Christmas slow time inside there. I remember thinking that as a little kid. And I remember thinking, if I broke that open, that somehow that slow time would just come out and it would, everything would be like it would be in the snow globe. And I remember as a kid thinking how awesome that would be. But when I say that to adults, most adults go, no, I don't want slow time because I am on a schedule. I've got to get somewhere. I've got to go do this thing. I have a to-do list that is prodigious. They use other swear words. And I don't want slow time. I want quick time. I've got to get there. But that's an adult thing. It's not a kid thing. I think sometimes, like I was saying at my opening remarks there, I think that sometimes we give kids a raw deal and we assume that kids are trying to get done, but you know that kids aren't because they never want to get off the swing set. They never want to go home from Disney. They never want to be done with the thing. Kids are really good at now. Adults are the ones who want to get done. You know what makes you old? Fixating on being done. That's the moment, and in some ways, in consciousness, because life is consciousness, that's the difference between a childish mind and an old mind. The fixation with done. And like I said, life is consciousness. You get what you think about. And if you think about being done, and you think about being done, and you fixate on accomplishments, and you think about being done, pretty soon your mind and your body goes, oh, I feel done. Well, of course, because that's what you prayed for with your thought. I think we misunderstand kids when you're on the way to Disney or the family vacation or whatever and the kid says, are we there yet? The adult mind goes, oh, they want to get to this destination. But kids aren't interested in destinations. Adults are. For a child, that question of are we there yet is a different question. What a child is asking when they ask are we there yet is, is this the magic time now? Is it okay to celebrate now? Are we there yet means, is this the moment when happy happens? Is it okay to be me right now? You want to be a good adult to that child, a good father or mother or figure of some manner of authority? (laughs) Decide to be the kind of person that doesn't say no. Avoid the temptation to say, yeah, hop out. Don't say that. (laughs) Daddy will slow down. Be the kind of person that says, you know what? We are there. Let's sing a song. We are there. What do you see out the window? We are there. Let's not be distracted. Let's engage because that's what the childish question is. Are we there yet? means, is God here? Am I here? Is there something awesome here? And the answer resoundingly is yes. Be that for somebody. And Christmas starts. Are we there yet? It's so different than fixating on being done with something. 
Because being done means being fixated on some kind of a finish line. Inevitably, it leads to some kind of competition. Because if I'm fixated on being done, then by golly, i got to get to that finish line before somebody else. Kids just want to share. Adults want to beat somebody. Change your mind about that. What happens, for example, in politics, when we, don't worry, don't worry. What happens, for example, in politics, when instead of, hey, how can we all work together from all kinds of different perspectives? How can we all work together to make a better situation for everybody? What happens when you go from there to, I want my team to win? Well, we see what happens. What happens in, in something even as crazy as, as music, art, we go from, you know, I like watching American Idol. It's fun to see people sing and, and somebody come from uh, no particular potential into being some kind of a superstar, and that's beautiful. But you know that's not why most people watch American Idol. Usually it's, hey, did you see that one guy beat the other guy at singing? Think about how weird that is. And I think that sometimes we teach young people that it's only worthwhile to do something if you're going to get paid for it. It's only worthwhile to do something if someone else tells you you're good at it. And I think that short-circuits the artistic endeavor for a lot of people. So I'm here to tell you, be bad at it. Sing poorly. In the shower, on the sidewalk. Sing badly. Draw terribly. Draw ugly pictures that make your heart sing. Scribble words in notebooks that nobody else sees because it's fun to write. Express yourself because there is art in you and it doesn't matter if you get paid for it. It doesn't matter. The idea of some kind of a deadline, some kind of an urgency, some kind of I got to get there is a phony thing. We just had Black Friday. Do you know why they call it Black Friday? It sounds like a punchline, but it, I, I have no joke for that. Do you know why they call it Black Friday? They call it that because the stores now can say we are in the black. So in the name of it, they're saying you're going to pay us lots of money. You better show up and tackle somebody for a toaster oven. Or whatever. I like toast too, but come on. There's something interesting about that. There's no joke. The, the punchline is simply that they're upfront about it. I love the manufactured urgency, but understand that manufactured urgency makes you old. Psychologically, as I said, children are really good at being in the moment. They're interested in the journey instead of the destination. Biologically, this is true. Studies have shown that your dopamine and your feel-good chemicals that your brain puts out are at their peak, not when you have the present, but when you're just about to open it. Did you know that? You know it anyway, because you remember what it was like to be a little kid coming down the stairs or whatever on Christmas morning, and holy moly, versus about 10 minutes later when everything's open and all you want to do is go to bed. <laughs> biologically, you are predisposed to being in the moment instead of being done with something. Isn't that interesting? It's really interesting because so many people are taught to have these goals, and I must achieve these things or no one will like me. I'm not worthy of a happy time or laughter or love unless I have accomplished these things. Let me show you my five-year plan, and let me show you the stack of self-help books that I have written and read and everything else. Let me show you all of these things. When there's no done in the world. When we're supposed to be geared for beingness rather than doingness, to use funny words. How can you get done with being done? 
Because you and I both know that an achievement consciousness just makes you tired. And now you know why. Because you're fighting against what your brain, what your heart, what your spirituality wants to be. Be, not do. And that's why so many people, if you are an achievement person, look, I'm not saying there's something bad about getting things done. I'm saying don't let it define you. Don't be defined by your to-do list. There's a difference, right? And you know the difference because you felt it. If all you care about is being done with something, all you will be is tired. Here's a test. Do you do the things that you do because you hope that if you do them enough, you'll get to quit doing them? That's most jobs. If I do this enough, I'll get my gold watch. I won't have to do it anymore. Can you imagine loving somebody, being on a date with them and go, you know, if I pay enough attention to you, you will finally leave me alone. (laughs) Oh, think about it. Being with a child, raising a kid and going, I can't wait to get you out of the house. I don't have to see you anymore. I get that feeling now and again. (laughs) But it's no way to be. That's no way to live your life. Another test is, do you require medication to get through your life? There's all kinds of medication. People medicate with (laughs) chemicals. People medicate with drama. People medicate with blame. People find all kinds of ways to escape the moment. People medicate with Candy Crush on their phones or whatever. But if your life requires medication to get through, what is the statement you're making about your life? Is that what God made for you? Yuck. But let me say it differently. If you have a life that requires medication, how is it ever going to get better if you're too doped up to drive the truck? You know what I mean? So what if we engage? What if we find something to sit in? What if we abide? The other day I saw the Mr. Rogers movie. Oh, man. So good. Go see, I mean, wait till church is over, but then go see the Mr. Rogers movie. It will change your life. I love that. Mr. Rogers is a huge hero to me. As a teenager, some people talk about their teenage years and they got to meet the drummer for some band or whatever. That's great too. But my hallmark celebrity moment as a teenager is I got to meet Mr. McFeely, the speedy delivery guy. Oh man, it was awesome. I was 17 years old and I was a church leader and he was getting an award. And he kind of sheepishly, he said, I'm on a kid's show. And I said, I know who you are. And I gave Mr. McFeely a big hug. Proudest moment of my life in that moment. Man, go see the movie. Mr. Rogers is a huge hero to me, always has been. I wish I could be a little bit more like that, and I'm trying. There's this moment in the movie when Mr. Rogers is talking to this reporter on the phone, and he says, do you know the most important thing to me in my whole life The reporter says, I don't know what. Mr. Rogers says, talking to you right now on the phone. And that really happened. The story is based on a true story. And I've read so much about Mr. Rogers over the years. I've seen a couple of the documentaries. And I've just read everything I can read because I love him. And one of the things that comes through over and over again that people say is that when you talk to Fred Rogers, he made you feel as though you were the only person in the world. There was no distractions, no agenda. And here's a profoundly busy person. Everybody wants a piece of him. But he could just sit with you and be with you and make you feel like what you were doing and saying was the most important thing. And so here we go, boys and girls. Here's your homework. Can you sit with somebody this week 
and make them feel that they are the most important thing in your world? Can you sit with someone and just listen? Don't think about what you're going to do next or say in response. That witty comeback can wait. Don't think about how you're going to prove to them that you're worth their attention by talking about what you're going to get done later today. Don't think about your to-do list and put your phone away. Can you do it? It's hard. We're not trained for it. Fran Lebowitz, one of my favorite writers, said the opposite of talking is not listening. The opposite of talking is waiting. Well, let's change that. Can you sit and just be with someone? Can you be in that moment? Can you make that person feel like there is no need to put them on behavioral call waiting? It may be hard to do. Like I said, we're not trained for it but it will change you. You want to be a better husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, father, son, daughter, whatever, friend, human being? You want to be a little bit more like a saintly presence like everybody said they felt when they were with Fred Rogers? Do you want to be the the you that God made you to be? Because here's the thing, if there's no accidents in the universe, then that person you're talking to, whether you've known them your whole life or whether they're just making a latte for you, that person talking to you is God's gift to you in that moment. What do you do with what God gives you? A few weeks ago, we had that scripture, you have been faithful with a little, I'll put you in charge of a lot. Here's where it starts. Take a minute. Yeah, I know you got stuff to do. I know everybody's got a mortgage or a thing they got to do or something looming on Monday. I get it. I'm not saying quit your job and join the circus. But I'm telling you that if you're the kind of person that agonizes with with the constant struggle and in fact identifies with the struggle, I bet you've got all kinds of techniques for getting things done. If I get up a half an hour early and while I'm doing push-ups, I just take a bite of oatmeal on the downstroke every time. You know what I mean. If you're that kind of person, you've tried stuff like that. And none of it works and all of it makes the people who love you miserable. And more than that, you're not fooling anybody. The minute you stop trying to earn people's love and you start just loving, you become a better person. You can identify with the struggle in order to get things done and be continually frustrated. But ask yourself, if you go back to the beginning, how was the universe created? In a flurry? In stress? Or in stillness? Why don't you create like God does? Your daddy in heaven. (laughs) You know what I mean? Take a minute. If you learn how to abide, to sit in the stillness, to listen to that, I promise the things on your to-do list will get handled without them becoming the object of your existence. If you can learn how to really love and really listen, you'll get done what you need to get done without it defining you. You get to decide what defines you. Or as I quote uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Jeffrey Lebowski, this aggression will not stand, man. In other words, you can be defined by the struggle and it won't stand and you will fall. But the dude abides. Sit in something. Love something. Love somebody. And I promise, Christmas will start for you. It really will. And you will start to feel free because after all freedom is a choice thank you
Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening along to the services and being a part of this extended church family. I love the idea that it's not something that's bound by a particular physical location, although I want you to know that you're always welcome to come join us. Our street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's an amazing thing to be a part of this physical community. But one way or another, I want you to know that you're part of a larger family. And this meaning series that we're working on has to do with finding out what really matters in your life and making a life that matters for everybody. So with that in mind, there's all kinds of things that I want you to know about. There's all kinds of things to try and do that's going to make a difference in your life. And to find out more about the different homework and kind of things that we have going on, please find us on the web at waterandstonechurch.com. That's waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. And you can find uh, our address, service times, links to all kinds of things that we're doing, and most importantly, links to find us on all kinds of social media. We'll be posting a lot of movies and things on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to our newsletter, all of that. The two big important links are, once again, waterandstonechurch.com and at Waterstone Min, M-I-N, at Waterstone Min. That's where we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So find us in those places. We'll be looking for you.